In this episode, we answer the most commonly asked questions regarding Social Security, like, what is my full retirement age? What if I need to take Social Security early? What if I want to delay taking Social Security? Answers to those questions and more are on the way. Welcome to the F-Sharp Podcast, presented by Harmony Wealth, a podcast geared to educate you on all things financial. Co-hosts Tanner Bortnam and Adam Henning discuss various financial topics presented in a consumable and entertaining manner. Tanner is a certified financial planner, JD, and financial expert, while Adam is a marketing professional and small business owner. It's time to harmonize. Sit back and enjoy the episode. Your future self will thank you. Hey friends, and welcome to another episode of the Financially Sharp podcast presented by Harmony Wealth, a podcast geared towards making you more financially literate. I'm Adam Henning, marketing professional and small business owner, and I'm joined as always with co-host, certified financial planner, JD, wealth manager, and industry expert, Tanner Bortnam. This episode is episode 30 of the Financially Sharp podcast, and we're talking today about probably a subject or a topic that Tanner gets a lot from his clients, uh, Social Security. Pros, cons, everything about it. It's kind of something that um, most people may have heard about or know about, but probably (laughs) don't know as much as they need to know. So this episode is going to be everything Social Security. Well, not quite everything. Not everything? Uh, no. There's something like 500 different iterations of options and different pathways depending upon what you choose of social security of, of and outcomes, and we're not going over all of that. We're just going to hit on the Better the start now. Things. Yeah, <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, we, we would be here, and this would be uh, an entire 24-hour marathon p- episode if that was the case, so... We're just going to hit on the the things I get asked the most, you know, the common um, main rules. And then if, if you know, obviously you have any questions, you can uh, do more research on, on a particular topic or, you know, obviously chat with your financial advisor and they should know about it. Um, and if they don't, then uh, it's a good idea to get a new one. Um, First question, why are there 500 different variations? <laughs> well, as, as we go, th- social, first off, it's, it's the program like social security has continued to expand and I don't really want to get too much into the weeds of this. So just very basically social security was started. Um, I don't remember when back in like the forties or something. And, and the, and the whole premise of it was, is it was first off, it was supposed to be an aid. It was not supposed to be someone's entire retirement. Um, but as the years have gone on, this program has continued to get bigger and bigger. And you know, like, uh, if, um, disability you know if you have a disability uh it now falls under social security if you have a spouse that passes away and you have kids under the age of 18 there's payments that can go not only to the 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 surviving spouse but also to the kids that are under 18 you know it's expanded to include more 
than just the, um, you know, what we typically think of as, oh, I'm in retirement and now I'm going to start getting social security payments. So, you know, with all of those variations, it just creates all these different paths that people can take. And then when you start going down a path, then there's all these, you know, get to the next layer of the onion and there's a bunch of different options and the next layer of the onion and there's more options. And so that's how you get upwards of 500. Again, that that's an estimate. It might be, might've been over that. I can't remember exactly when I, what I read, um, if it was around 500 or if it's over 500, but there's tons. Let's just leave it at that. Tons of options. We're going to hit on the big main, main things that most people, uh, or not most people, everyone should know because social security, everyone should have heard about this. Everyone should know what it is. Uh, and it is for all of us. So the things we're going to hit on are definitely, you know, those things that will affect everyone. Right on question one, starting point. What's the full retirement age for social security? Sure. Yeah. Today. Yep. Yep. So this is, yeah. Uh, good first question. Great starting point. The first thing that we need to know, um, when discussing social security for any individual is what is your full retirement age? And what this is, is it's the age where, uh, social security deems you to be fully retired. Uh, now they have a chart. It used to be, uh, 65, but as social security has gotten, um, you know, more, I hate saying in trouble, it makes it sound bad, but as, as, as money has become tighter and people are living longer and all these different aspects that they didn't um, account for back in the 1940s when they built this. Um, Cause back then life expectancy was like 63 or 65. So when you retired at 65, it's only like one out of every two You're people. You're supposed to be dead. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so it was like one out of every two people were actually taking money uh, act, or actually took money out of it. And you had three people putting money in for every one person putting money out. And now it's, you know, it's, it's a lot less because people are living longer. So they back these ages up. There's a chart. Uh, if you want to look at it, obviously socialsecurity.gov is going to have it. Um, but just a couple of numbers, like if you were born in 1954 or earlier, you've already hit full retirement age, obviously. If you're 1955, your full retirement age is 66 and two months. And then 56, it's 66 and four months. And it goes up two months every year thereafter until you get to 1960. And then it's just 67. So currently, everyone born after 1960 your full retirement age is 67 rather than 65 like it was for people previously so that's the starting point is what's your full retirement age and knowing what that is for you as the listener based on when you were born interesting i just like i always want to know like looking at this chart i just wanted to compare life and life expectancy for us versus you know 43 to 54 but oh well for my own like how you know 60 you full retirement age for me is 67 life expectancy for a male uh, is 82 80, 80, or 83 i think now okay. yeah so. So again, no one likes having their full retirement age backed up, but realistically, if your life expectancy went up 20 years and you had to wait two more years for full retirement age, that 
is a pretty sure. good deal. Yeah. What if I wanted to take it earlier? Yeah. So, and this is again why the starting point is that full retirement age because we have to know that is what everything from here on after is based off of. So for sake of ease, we're just going to assume that we're talking about a person born 1960 or after because it gives me a round number of age 67 uh, as a full retirement age. So if you want to take your uh, retirement benefits, start social security early before your full retirement age of 67, then you get penalized. And again, here's the IRS and the government crazy numbers. You get penalized five ninths of 1% each month. Yep. Let's make it confusing, right? So what that equates to is it's about 6.66% per year. Um, but it is broken down per month. So if you would take it literally at age 66 and 11 months, you're going to lose five ninths of 1%. Um, and what that does is the earlier you take it, that keeps adding up and adding up. So it's about, again, about 6.66% per year every year to a max down to a 30% reduction if you take it at immediately at 62. Um, so again, that, that fluctuates depending upon when you take it. But the key with this is, is that's a permanent reduction. Once you hit full retirement age, you don't get to go back up to that. So, oh. let, yeah. So let's make up a hypothetical. Let's say a person is expected to get uh, $3,000 a month at full retirement age at 67. So if they take it at 62 and, uh, you know, take it early at 62, they're going to lose 30%. So they're going to get $2,100 a month. And that 2100 is now locked in. You do get cost of living adjustments off of it, but that 2100 is what you get. That's the trade-off for taking it early. You get a reduced amount for the rest of your life. Is that amount determined by a tax bracket or is it just a lump sum? The, the just, monthly payment? Right. Yeah, so that is based off of each individual person's working history and how much they have contributed uh, to Social Security over the highest 40 quarters of, which is 10 years of work, of their working careers. Okay. Yep. That sounded like a dumb question, but it, I don't nope, think it was. Nope, good question. Yep. Nice. Um, can I, instead, on the flip side, can I delay taking Social Security? You can, yes. So, again, using a person. A benefit? Both, yes, to both. <laughs> um, so, yeah, instead of, if you take it early, you get penalized. Um, but the trade-off is, obviously, you're taking it early and you get that money sooner. Uh, and if you wait and take it later, they give you a benefit. And so what this one is, is it's, and again, why they don't factor this one in on a per month basis. Now they created it on an even per year basis, but again, whatever. So it's 8% per year that you get an increase. And again, breaks down to about 0.66 per month. So if you wait, if you're 67 and you wait till age 70, you're going to get a uh, you know, 24% increase. So again, to use that $3,000 a month estimate at 
full retirement age is 67. If you wait until 70, you will now get $3,720 for the rest of your month or, or the rest of your life. So again, you get that benefit, but you have to wait until 70. And then that's the cap. There's no more at 70. You, you, I mean, they say you have to take it. I don't know why you would wait or, but basically the government so makes I'm a nice start, guy. Yeah, exactly. Like, of course, everyone's going to take it. There's no more benefit of waiting. That's where that <laughs> cap goes. So your goal should, I mean, it's pretty small, but goal should be uh, to delay it till 70. Maybe. Depends. Maybe. Yeah, know. depends on each individual person. Sure. What about Medicare at 65? Yeah, the, another great question. So um, this is one, obviously a different program, but they're tied together, Medicare and Social Security. So um, Medicare starts at 65. You qualify for Medicare at 65. And this is a very, very important thing. If you take nothing else from this episode, please remember this. If you are under the age of 65 and you get to 65 and have not turned on your social security yet, you still have to file for Medicare. Even if you're working and you have insurance through your work, still file and then decline coverage because for whatever stupid reason, if you don't sign up at 65, even if you don't want the Medicare insurance, if you don't sign up within that, it's a three-month window before your 65th birthday to three months after. If you do not sign up in that window, you pay a penalty for not signing up on time for the rest of your life. How how big of a penalty? Depends how long you wait. Oh, jeez. Okay. Right. And like, it doesn't make any sense to me. Like, if, if a person is working at 65 and they don't need Medicare, that's good for the government. They're not paying any money, but they still are going to penalize that person for not signing up and declining. But it is what it is. Just please remember to do that so that you don't pay that penalty for the rest. Like you pay higher costs for the rest of your life just because you missed that. So please, please, please remember to sign up and then just decline the coverage if you don't need it. And then when you do retire and you want the coverage, you can just turn it on. I have that in my calendar 32 years from now. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Uh what if what if uh, I turn on Social Security but still work keep working? Is that full time or part time? I'm sure that's one of the 500 scenarios. Uh, it is, yes, both. Um, <laughs> so another split in this and why we need to know our full retirement age. So if you are working, have earned income. Um, so th this is not you know like taking money out of an IRA or anything like that. It's W-2 income or self-employment income. So it's earned income. Uh, and you are under your full retirement age. So again, our hypothetical full retirement is 67. So let's say you're 64 and still working, but you turn on Social Security because you can and you want to, and that's your choice and you turn it on. Because you have earned income, if you make more than $19,560 in 2022, 
that will go up next year. Um, every dollar you or every two dollars you make again, kind of confusing. Uh, for every two dollars you make above that nineteen thousand five hundred and sixty, your social security will be reduced by one dollar. So again, easy math. If if this is in this situation, if you make twenty thousand dollars, but twenty thousand five hundred and sixty dollars, so exactly one thousand dollars more than the limit your social security will be reduced by 500 bucks over the course of the year. Um, now, that in and of itself is not permanent. Once you hit full retirement age, they will recalculate and make sure you get that $500 per year back. Um, but they will deduct it. So you, you know, if you're told that you're going to make X at age 64 and you make more than that 19560 uh, value, then your social security will go down because you're still working. Um, like I said, it's still it's temporary and they will add that back in uh, once you hit full retirement age. Now on the flip side, once you're at full retirement age or after, you can make as much money as you want and your benefit won't go down. Taxes will change, which we'll get to in a little bit, but um, that income limit goes away and your social security benefits will not be impacted because you made um had earned income that year clear as mud yeah um (laughs) the whole nineteen thousand five hundred and sixty, and then you said twenty thousand and then then my brain shut off but um, well i was trying to get it turned back on yeah it it turned back on when you put it at 500 bucks but yeah what what if you are fully employed full time and you're and I'm going kind of on off script so I apologize for putting you on the spot and you're offered early retirement or a Bessie or whatever you want to call it um is is turning social security on an election so I know this is clear as mud my question or is it <laughs> Is it an election or is it based upon what you're putting in? What if you take the early retirement and just say, I have enough money to float myself in, you know, my emergency fund or my own, my own retirement account or savings to float me to where I don't have to turn on social security till 67. Is that automatically turned on or because I'm not working? No, 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 no. You decide. You decide when okay. to turn it on. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the only time that you, I guess, don't get a decision is if you haven't turned it on, it gets turned on automatically at 70. Like, because that's automatically. the max. Right. Okay. I mean, again, everyone would turn it on at 70 anyways, because there's no benefit to waiting any longer than that. Um, but no, you choose that. So again, this is why we're going over this. You need, you know, everyone listening, well, not every, everyone in the country needs to know these rules, at least on a basic standpoint, because the decision you make impacts what you get for the rest of your life. You know, if you take it early, there's pros and cons of that. If you take it late, there's pros and cons of that. And so knowing these, at least the basics we're going over today, um, helps you know, people make that decision, you know, a better, more informed decision for themselves because it's permanent once you make that choice with a couple of slight 
caveats, of course. What if I die? And then it goes away. Then it's just SOL, you've been paying out your whole life. Well, I mean, yeah, think well, think about that. If a person dies at age 60, you can't take Social Security at 60. So yeah, you've paid into Social Security your entire life and got no benefit from it. Rip. Well, it's part of the system. That's what the actually, if you think about it, that's what the system was designed around in the 1940s because only one out of every two people lived long enough to get any money out of it. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Touche. So, uh, let's bring spouses into this. What's the spousal benefit and how, what complications do they bring? Yes. So, a spousal benefit. Now, uh, I'm just going to use you and Greta. Um, you both are working. So, um, I'm just going to assume um, Greta makes more money than you because that's easier. I can pick on you this way. So Greta makes more money than you. She's going to be the spouse that will have a higher social security, uh, you know, uh, base. Um, and so you would have the choice to either take your own social security amount that you've accumulated over the years, or you can take one half of Greta's, one half of your spouse's, whichever is greater. Like, and that's an automatic too. Um, and obviously like no one's going to choose to take the lesser amount. So um, this one primarily helps if, you know, if one of the spouses stayed home with the kids for, you know, while they're growing up and didn't have as many years to accumulate um, balances, this allows them to not, you know, they were, they're providing obviously good services for their family and, and necessary things for the economy and, and society as a whole. So this makes sure that they're, you're not completely penalized. Now, is it the best because they only get half, whatever? That's a political debate we're not getting into. But um, so, yes, yeah, so you get, if you're the lower income earner of the spouses, you get either yours or half of your spouse, whichever is greater. Now, that is step one. Step two is all the things we talked about before can change that amount. So in our example, let's just say spouse one was going to get $3,000 at full retirement age of 67 and spouse two. So that's Greta. Greta's going to get 3,000 at 67 and Adam, you're only going to get a thousand at 67. Okay. So if Greta takes early before 67, now she's not getting 3,000 and hers goes down to 2,100. Yours gets cut and you get half of 2100. You don't get half of 3000. So you see how this is how there's over 500 iterations because you can Ugh. start right. So being, you know, a married couple, what you choose to do can have an impact on your spouse, depending upon whether the spousal, spousal benefit is going to come into play or not. If each spouse is going to just take their own, this doesn't matter as much. Um, Oh, okay. So I was going to ask if that was like a tax return where we filed jointly or separately. No, 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 no. No. Uh, or yeah. this is completely separate. It's separate. Yeah, separate. So like, like again, to use the example, if Greta's going to get 3000 a month at full retirement and you're going to get 2800 
at full retirement, you're clearly above the half. So you would want to take your own. So now you're in control oh, sure. of when you take your own. It's only oh, if you're going to take that half. Um, but again, builds in some complexity to it. So on those reductions, but of course now on the flip side, if Greta waits till age 70 and hers builds too bad, so sad, you don't get any benefit of that. You only get, you get maxed out at full retirement age, um, okay. uh, half of her full retirement age. So you don't get any benefit of her waiting. So again, we oh. aren't even in, we, and the thing is we aren't even into the weeds. Like we are trying to keep this pretty high level. Um, and this is, now you're seeing why there's the approximate 500 different p possibilities out of this. Oofta. Okay, so how we've elected and we're getting that that payment. Yep. What does that look like from a tax standpoint or end of the year? Um, how is that paid out and tracked right. taxes? -wise? Yes, right. So you... Uh, you get your your social security comes out monthly. Um, you know, is there taxes on social security? It depends, but likely yes. So um, it was back because in, of course, right? And, and again, yeah, tax, and it, tax taxes a tax on a tax, right? Taxes likely yes, and then, but it depends also. Why not? Because let's add more complexity. So. I believe it was back in the, it was under Reagan in the eighties. They, they, it used to not be taxed. None of this was taxed when you got it because basically it's a return of your own money that you've given the government, um, you know, over your working years. And then in the eighties, uh, Reagan and, and his administration and Congress passed a bill that said, well, if you make more than $25,000 as an individual or $32,000 a year as a married couple, we're going to tax half of your social security or, and, and it doesn't mean that half of it goes away. It just means half of your social security gets added to your taxes to be paid at your tax bracket that you're in. Um, and then in the early nineties, the Clinton administration said, ah, we don't have enough. So now we're going to add another layer that if your, uh, combined income is over 34,000 as an individual or 44,000 as a married couple, 85% of your social security benefit now gets added into the taxes and you pay it at your, your tax rate. And one of the ways, you know, this is unavoidable. And also it's not indexed for inflation because those numbers are pretty low and they were set in the eighties and the early nineties. And they've been the same, like that should be going up, but it's not. So, you know, thinking about this and inflation, which you know we're all highly aware of right now, more and more people are going to continue to get pushed into these where at least half of their, their social security is going to be taxed. And then more and more of 85% of it will be taxed solely on the fact of we're making more money. Like you just, everyone's making more money to do everything because of inflation and compound interest and it all goes up and these things were passed. You know, we're looking at 30 some years. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 30 years ago, roughly. Um, and, and then even further 30 and 40 years ago. So, um, when they look at your combined income, now this is where you got to factor this in. And this is where hopefully you have a good financial planner and accountant to work with you. Cause there are ways to try to help manipulate this, but they look at your, what's called adjusted gross income. It's your wages, investment, income, and dividends, pensions, annuities, any distributions from a 
your IRA or your 401k and your rental income, you know, a lot of things that people have in retirement. Then they're going to add in any muni bonds that are typically tax free, but they're going to add that back into this. And then they're going to add in half of your social security benefit. And that's what gives this, this combined income. So using your example, Adam, and I have clients that get more than $3,000 a month, but using the example we did of 3000 a month, you know, that's, $36,000 a year, half of that, so 18000 is going to be included in this combined income. So just because you have Social Security on, in our example, you already have $18,000 towards this combined income. So if you have income or wages, uh, rental income, anything like that, a pension, you're like, it's very easy to get over these limits. And now a lot of your social security benefit gets taxed. So what I've been doing as a strategy with clients, particularly before they turn on social security is we've been doing a lot of Roth conversions because once your money's in a Roth, that doesn't count. You can take that out. That does not count towards this. So we're helping keep that down as low as we can. And if you don't do that, you eventually are going to get pushed up and up and up like we talked about with higher inflation and just people making more money. But also if you have a bunch of money that's in IRAs or 401ks, you're going to have required minimum distributions once you hit 72. And that amount you are required to take out goes up and goes up and goes up every single year. So you will eventually get pushed into this. Um, so hopefully you're doing some tax planning strategies ahead of time to help you know, try to give you some flexibility when you get to this point. You look dazed and confused. Yeah. Just one of those, I had one of those moments where it's just like, man, how do you, there's just so much stuff. Yeah, 500 <laughs> different paths. Well, that, but the different stages of life and this is a stage obviously that I'm not thinking about yet, but how... All I'm saying, Tanner, is I'm patting you on the shoulder and saying, "Oh well, thank you. You're worth it. <laughs> <laughs> the knowledge is worth it." It's just like, "Well, thank you." Uh, well, and wanna... and that's the thing. I, you know, we talk about it in in almost every episode. Like, you're you're hitting the nail on the head here, and this isn't just about like me in particular, but this is this is evidence of like why it is so important to have someone that has expertise, like, and go find yourself an advisor. Like there's so many things and so many moving pieces that trying to do this on your own, unless you are doing it full time, like I do, and then have the expertise, you know, it's just really, really difficult. There's, there's so many, so many things and getting advice from someone um, with that expertise is is going to pay for itself tenfold in the long run rather than getting advice from someone that just sells you stuff and doesn't create a plan because maybe you're making your problems even worse you know who knows so easy to screw up that's for sure yep is there a grace period of turning it on and off and changing your mind or what um yeah so we touched on this just a little, you know, a little bit earlier where, you know, it's permanent. And for the most part, it is permanent. When you make that choice to turn on Social Security, it is permanent with the exception of if you start taking Social Security before your full retirement age, you have 12 months 
to change your mind from when you turned it on that first time. You have 12 months to say, I made a mistake. I don't want to turn it on and turn it and turn it off. However, you have to pay back all the money that you have received. Like you don't just get to keep that and then say, oh, my bad. Just deduct it later. You, you know, you have to pay that back. So again, in our hypothetical, well, our hypothetical, you know, if you take it early and you're making $2,000 a month and you go half of a year before you turn this off, you owe $12,000 back to yeah. social security. So, I mean, you have to have that money available too. So, and then once you go over that 12 month period, no, it's done. Like you, you don't get to change that again. So very small window that, that you can change it. So with all that said, how do you and how do I decide when to press that on button? Yeah. Um, well, there's a, there's a few things. Um, you know, as always, it's the first thing that I always say in any of these episodes is it should be determined by your financial plan that you have set up. Um, you know, that should take into account because there's all these moving pieces, um, what is going to be the optimal solution for you and what you're trying to achieve. You know, are you currently doing any Roth conversions? Cause that's going to have a factor in it. Are you still working? That's going to have a factor in it. If you're looking at potentially taking, you know, turning it on versus waiting, do you currently have enough income and cash flow right now to be able to delay it or do you not? And you need to turn it on and maybe your hands are tied. You'd like to wait, but you don't have the, you know, the cash flow, So you have to turn it on now. Um, so all those things are, are really quantitative and, and you can sit down and, and should be built into your financial plan. But then you have some ones that are, you know, obviously unknowns. Um, what is your family history of longevity? What is your current health status? Because, uh, you know, if you have longevity and if you live to be, you know, the break even is around 84, 85 years old. Um, that if you live past that, the benefit is that you should have waited. If you pass away before that, the option is you should have started taking it sooner. You know, and that's what I, you know, when I have clients that say, well, when exactly should I take it? I say, well, let's look at the financial plan and, and then, you know, here's, here's the range I think we should be looking at. And they're like, well, what about more specific? And I say, well, let me know the day you're going to die and I'll tell you the day we should turn on social security. <laughs> And since we don't know that, it is kind of a, you know, it, it, it's an educated guess. You can do the best you can because obviously none of us know when we're going to pass away. So you take what information you can and make the best decision, you know, for yourself. But isn't only like three years really that you're playing with? 67 to 70? No, 62 to 70. Oh, I get Okay. Yeah. So there's an eight-year window there. Right. And so, for now, yeah. right? Well, right, right. Yeah, that's who knows what, what rules. Not to be morbid. <laughs> well, no, just who knows what rules they're going to have to to change in the future with Social Security kind of, um, you know, being in the state of condition that it is. But, you know, that's that's one that we don't know, but you still have to kind of think about it. What is, you know, what's my health? How am I doing personally? And then what's my his family history? And that can try to give you some guidance on whether you should start earlier or later. Um and then, you know, another one I talk with clients about um, is, do you have concerns with, you know, 
where social security is and, and the condition of social social security right now. Um, you know, reports out there are, uh, the one that I pulled up was from June, uh, June of this year, 2022. And it said that the social security trust fund is projected to have enough resources to cover all promised benefits until 2035 when it would have to cut all and current or all current and future benefits to 80% unless Congress does something, you know, in the next, what would that be? Uh, 12 years, basically. So, you know, if Congress does nothing, which they haven't done anything over the last 30 years that they've known there's a problem, um, you know, at 2035, the expectation is that if you're receiving social security, you will get a 20% reduction in what you're getting. And if you aren't receiving social social security and you're a younger person, what you're seeing on that statement of your estimated amount of $3,000 is going to get 20% taken off. So 600 bucks is going to go away. Now your full retirement is 2,400 a month. Um, you know, so if that's of a concern and, and that one is completely up to clients of whether they want to have that be a concern to them or not. But if that's a concern, then maybe that pushes people to start early because they, yes, you're taking a, a mm. lower amount now, but you're getting a hundred percent of a lower amount rather than waiting and getting a hundred percent for a couple of years and then it getting cut by 20% anyways, you know, sure. if you, so and you already are kind of have that 2035 number in, in your range. Right. Exactly. And so, yeah. And, and some people that that's important, other clients, you know, they don't worry about it. To me personally, I, I don't really know. History shows us that Congress hasn't done anything yet and they should have done stuff obviously decades ago because the changes that would have been necessary back then would have been so much more minor than the changes that would be required today. And the changes today are going to be less impactful uh, or le less, less of a change has to be made today than if we wait another five or 10 years you know, every year that wait that waits, we have to make a bigger change and bigger things. So who knows if they will pass anything? I don't know. No one knows except future Congresses. Um, but yeah, that's, you know, it, it's a, a factor to be considered. So kind of with all of that, you, you sift through, you know, you, you take the data that you have on the financial plan, are you doing Roth conversions? When do you, ex if you are, when do you expect those to be completed? Are you still working? And do you have enough cash flow? You take all of that hard data and try to add in the the unknowns and and sift through, you know what what we think about longevity and and the future status of of Social Security, and then make the best decision that you can. Is there a rule of thumb or a barometer of how much we should rely on? Social Security and retirement age. What what should that make up? Oh, of your of retirement that? income. Yeah. Um, I mean, it depends. Obviously, it depends on every person's income that age. they need. Yeah. Well, and, right. Right. Lifestyle. Yeah. yeah, their lifestyle. But uh, you know, as I said at the beginning, Social Security was created to be an aid. It was not created to be your entire retirement account, and unfortunately. Um, for too many people in this country, that is what has happened. It's a crutch. Yep. Uh, it is not a crutch. It is the entire wheelchair. wheelchair um, walker. Yeah. Right. Like there, it, it is meant to be a crutch. 
but it is not that it is the entire wheelchair to help move. And, and the problem with that is, is it's not meant to be that. And yes, you get cost of living adjustments. And, you know, this year I'm sure we'll hit some historically high cost of living adjustment because inflation is so high. But a lot of times, you know, the cost of living adjustments just aren't that much. And you just unfortunately become, you know, regardless of whether you get enough or not, if that's all you're really living on for social security, you become a little bit poorer every year because things cost more and social security has tended to not really keep up. And it's just, you know, you're just limited to that. So particularly for anyone still working and young people do not rely only on social security. Um, I tell all my young clients, just don't even expect it to be there. And if it is, you know, cherry on top, right. Cherry on top. Um, do I think it's going to go away? No, but we don't know what benefits we're going to get as younger people. So just don't even count on getting any. And then when you get some, you're, you're even better off. Uh, so yeah, I mean, that, that's a big one. I don't, again, depending upon your lifestyle, how much should you have or how much should it make up? It all depends. But the, what I'm trying to say is it shouldn't be a hundred percent for anybody. You know, it should oh, be yeah. a portion of, and then you have other retirement assets and other, you know, re, uh, income producing properties or something like you have your different buckets that all give you money. Um, and that is a good retirement. We've learned a lot. Social security is like onions and a wheelchair. <laughs> Any uh, other things you want to compare it to? No, no, no. Those two are obscure enough. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, never would I have thought coming into this episode that we would compare Social Security to Onion or a wheelchair. But here we are. Yeah, here we are. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode, found it helpful. If you haven't yet, please like, subscribe, leave us a review. If you're listening on Spotify, give us a five-star review. It helps our podcast, and we appreciate it very much. If you have any questions or suggestions, shoot us an email at podcast.financiallysharp.com. That's podcast at financiallysharp.com. Thanks for listening, and you'll hear us in the next episode. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. This podcast does not engage in rendering legal, tax, financial, or other professional services. Investment advisory services are offered through Harmony Wealth, a registered investment advisor authorized to do business in states where registered or otherwise exempt from registration. If you have questions pertaining to your specific situation, please contact Harmony Wealth at 602-935-5155 or at HarmonyWealthAZ.com.